Welcome back to another week of Fitness Freaks. And let's ask you a question first off. This is what I want to do first off. How do you define a good runner? Because for me, it's nothing to do with pace. It's nothing to do with body shape or body type. In fact, I don't even know if there is a way that you can define a good runner, but I know that there is a way that you can define inspirational runners. And they are people whose stories or actions can change the way that you think about your running and the running of other people. And the guest that we have this week is exactly that. It's someone who has hugely inspired me. And I'm really excited to talk to him. So Fitness Freaks is a show where myself, Ben, and my co-hosts, Sam and George, chat with people that we think that we could learn something from or could add value to our lives and, and by extension, add value to your life. So let me ask you another question. What would you do if you were running and you had pretty severe chest pains? We're talking the pains that kind of build over time. And in the end, it turns out you've had a heart attack whilst running and you'd put it on Instagram stories, but not realised at the time it was a heart attack. Then, what would you do after that? I wonder if, well, do you know what? I'm not going to tell you anymore, but let's just say that the guest that we're going to talk to right now has accomplished some pretty unbelievable things post heart attack. And he had done pre-heart attack as well. But it's a really amazing story and I want to share it with you. So I'm going to jump straight into mine and Sam's chat with Alex Matthew, a friend of mine. Alex evolving on Instagram, but we will put all of his details in the description for this podcast episode. And I hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did creating it. Still uncomfortably long, I think. <laughs> Everyone just sits there looking at each other while the music plays like you're in an elevator, doesn't it? But um, Alex, thanks so much for coming on. I'm really, really excited to chat to you. Um, we've known each other for quite a while actually now. And um, hello, Sam, by the way. Hello, Ben. How's it going? Good, thanks. So, Yeah, my, my, my pleasure to be on, Ben. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I really appreciate it because I actually think your story and how inspirational I think you are and your tenacity and stuff is, is really relatable for a lot of people. And, um, you know, sometimes the feedback I get actually as well is uh, with, with my channel that is people like Mary, not me. So I think people are going to like you. Um, it'll, be, it'll be good to have a chat. So, Alex... But can you tell me about, we were just talking off air just before we started, like we're on air. Are we not? We're not on air, are we? But you know what I mean. So we were just <laughs> talking. to the world. <laughs> yeah, well, are we live? We were just talking before about your kind of journey and you, you think about your journey in three distinct parts, really. So um, I guess first is the first question I ask everyone, really, is how did, how did you get in? How did you find your way into running or, or exercise in general? So... When I was in, uh, in high school, in uh, boarding school in England, I played uh, rugby, <clears throat> and uh, I always enjoyed it, but not enough to actually uh, to go to practice. So I was constantly, <laughs> constantly missing practice, constantly getting, getting in trouble for it, doing everything I could to avoid it um, because I wasn't fit. Um, it then got to the point where the teachers said, okay, enough is enough. 
if you miss one more practice, you're going to get six of the best. And this was back in the days when, you know, was punishment was a thing. <laughs> when you got six of the best. <laughs> and not only did I get six of the best, but he was a county squash champion. <laughs> so he, he was very accurate. And there were only three marks with six of the best. <laughs> uh, but fast forward a year from there, I ended up being captain of the, uh, of the team, of the school team. And so that was really where I was able to see a, a value to sports in my life. Um, fast forward through, you know, getting married, having children, running a business, working hard. That all unfortunately went out the window and I got to the point where I was overweight and said, okay, I've got to lose the weight. Um, and I lost, I dropped from 260 pounds, to 205 pounds on diet alone. I still had no real inclination to work out at that point. And throughout that weight loss, I didn't work out at all. But subsequent to that, I had all this energy. So I was like, ah, all right, well, I may as well just get on a treadmill, turn it up to 10 and run until I drop and do that. <laughs> and that's really what got me into this whole thing is wanting to do better, wanting to not injure myself, learning about, I didn't even know a 5K race existed. I didn't even know people ran races. You know, like, you know, so, so it was, oh, I want to do a 5k. Now I want to do a 10k. And it was that natural progression of being competitive and wanting to do more. And how long ago was that? That was four years ago. So right. four years ago was, uh, I had lost all the weight. I had all the energy and I signed up for my first 5k, um, local 5k here. That was four years ago. Okay, because I would say I would say I've known you probably it was through Instagram, but we've got you know we've we chatted for a, a lot. Of, I would say it's about three years, maybe. Yeah, about, about that. Yeah, I think uh, I think you and I first met around the time uh, I was training for my first marathon. That's right. That's right. Mar and we we yeah, found your journey on Instagram. Wasn't a marathon. I still haven't run a marathon, by the way. Even though you've run in the same boat as you. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Sam's the same. <laughs> He's been training Sam for a while. Story? Yeah. So, but you've run an ultra marathon. In fact, like, I mean, some of the things we, we we're going to, Alex sh went straight past a marathon <laughs> into ultra marathon territory, which is crazy, but great. Um, I, I, I got lost on the marathon, Sam. I, and I ran 29.8 miles. So oh, my mind, I, still I still haven't run a marathon. <laughs> Not the strict mileage, just went way over. Actually, that's what happened on my first marathon as well, isn't it? I think we that's why we bonded. We talked about that because I got lost on my first marathon and ran an extra two and a half kilometers. I ran into a town and I was, there was no one around me. And I was like, what? why is there no signage, no people supporting and no other runners in the entire race? And then I tweaked, <laughs> I've probably missed a turn somewhere. So I had to run back and, and um, catch everyone up. <laughs> it's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. This, I mean, my, this my... to you, Alex, as well. You just kind of got to a point where you thought, hang on. They, were, they were running the full marathon and half marathon on the same course for the first half of it. And then the half marathon people made a turn and the full marathon went to go straight. I went with the half marathon people. 
Well, at least you went with people. I just carried on running. Yeah. I was in a wonderful little world of just myself and then not realising where I was. Um, and the heart rate, I, it would be in, I don't think I've ever looked back at the heart rate data, but I'm pretty certain my heart rate for the next 5K was way higher than it should have been for a marathon. Training. Oh, I did. After that U-turn on mine, I PR'd my 5K. I just about PR'd my 10K <laughs> and promptly bonked at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get back into it. <laughs> exactly. So, so you're getting back into running. You're running. You're, I mean, you're going the wrong way on a marathon, but you are still running a marathon. In fact, an ultra marathon. And you did your fives and your ten k's. And then, I mean, how long ago was it? So, to to give a little bit of context, I actually watched your story. I was telling Sam about this. You went out for a run. Um, it wasn't. I don't think it was a particularly long run. But you're, you you nope. put you put on your stories that you, and I remember watching it. You just said not feeling it today. Just something you know. Just not feeling it. I'm bailing on the run. I'm going home. Um, but can you can you explain what actually was happening during that run and, and subsequently? Yeah, so it was a very, very hot summer. Very hot. And my, as you know, I track every stat possible and I review it right away. And my heart rate had been unusually high during all of these runs. Um, but I put it down to the heat and I found a study because you can find, find studies to justify anything that says, okay, you should expect, you know, a 10 to 30 beat per minute increase if you're running when it's hot. And it's like, okay, great. Not a heart problem. It's just the heat. We can go on. And then that particular day um, didn't feel really any, any real difference um, when I was there. I drove there. Got out of the car. I was like, I wasn't feeling great, but it was whoever really feels great when you're running a lot. I mean, it's you don't do it because it feels good. I mean, it it does in moments, but predominantly, you know. Yeah. So I went out on my run, and I started getting pain in the middle of my chest. And this was you know half a mile in, but it wasn't that you know movie type heart attack scenario. It was like, all right, this feels weird. So of course, what do I do first? Thing? jump on, Google my symptoms. And two things came up in Google. One was costochondritis, which is an irritation of the cartilage in the middle of your chest that happens, or that can happen after you've done a particularly heavy chest workout or a heart attack. So I said, oh, I did a chest workout last night. This is what it's got to be. Because, you know, my history of, smoking and diabetes and, you know, working crazy hours and being type A. That, let's, well, let's just ignore that. It's costochondritis. That's what, so we're going to go with that. So I kept going and then it was like, all right, you know what? This is just not right. And I think somewhere in the back of my head, I knew but was completely unwilling to accept the fact that it was a lot more not right than it should be. So I went home, lay down, felt better. It's like, all right, great, had dinner, slept, everything was fine. I was like, all right, so it's, it's nothing. Uh, next morning was a Sunday morning, so we went to church, and sitting in church, it started up again. It was just sort of waves of, very hard to describe, almost like a pre, like that pre-cramp feeling when you know it's like, oh, I think something's gonna go, I better. Yeah. And so, and it was starting to be more frequent. So after church, we're driving home. I told my wife, I was like, you know, this is, 
you know, it, it was coming in waves. Went home, napped, woke up three hours later. Then it started coming. I was like, you know what? Just take me to the hospital. So we're driving to the hospital. It's, it's you know, it passed. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get to the hospital. They're going to check me out. It's going to be nothing. And so I'm going to be left with this. What the hell is that? Fortunately or not fortunately, however you look at it, by the time I got to the hospital, it was actually getting pretty painful. And it was just a, a waves of, of pain in the middle of the chest, no arm pain, none of the, you know, none of the stereotypical symptoms. Um, but it was one of those things where they take your blood work. Um, the EKG was not not abnormal enough to rush me into the ER, but uh, but but abnormal enough so they did blood work. During that period of time, now the pain is getting worse and worse and worse. And I told my sisters, "You got to go get somebody now." And they took me in the back, and I <clears throat> uh, got my blood work back, and I had my own episode of uh, you know, insert your favorite hospital drama here because yeah. it got to the point where it just went crazy. You know, it's sort of you know when they ask you. One out of ten pain. This was probably a seventeen, um, and you know they gave me morphine. They gave me uh, uh, nitric acid or uh, nitrous oxide. Well, not nitrous oxide, but whatever it is, they give you lower blood pressure. And at that point, I was feeling great. <laughs> yeah, you've got Still the good stuff. Pain, but I was like, oh, man. you know. And I remember saying to my to my wife, I said, "Honey, I'm laying in a room, and there's six nurses in here." Four of them are trying to get my clothes off. <laughs> it's, you know, at that point, that they're cutting my clothes off to take me in the back. I looked. I'm like, as much as I'm enjoying this, this can't be good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, and they wheeled me in, and um, I had um, yeah three coronary arteries. Two of them were 100 percent blocked. One of them was 70 percent blocked. Uh, Crazy. So that started the process of fixing that plumbing. Well, that, uh, it's one of those, isn't it? Uh, and it's not a nice situation. Clearly not. It's horrible. It's painful. But so Mary's dad has had a heart attack. He had a heart attack at 50. But, but therefore, they found blockages and fixed blockages, right? Right. So, so the positive that comes out of that is that, you know, you didn't nothing really really bad happens and they found out what is going on and in, this is just how my brain works by the way i don't know if it's how yours but the, oh, you know, i couldn't agree with you more they, they fix it so 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 you have this heart attack and uh, you know uh, you you disappeared from social media quite rightly for a little while like you i mean you're not going to live video that but you know what i mean and and so yep. i'm looking at this video and then then you post a few days later saying look it turns out that run that I did that story about, that was a heart attack. And yeah. and from there, you would think, well, people might list, might be listening thinking, your world would completely change. And to a certain extent, of course, it does. But after the heart attack, it was like you were even more determined to commit to the goals that you had set yourself physically and... I mean, what well, I mean, you can explain. I won't explain it all away, but you know, you did some pretty incredible things after the heart attack, training-wise, didn't you? See, and and this is where I have 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 a little bit of trouble in how I look at what I do because, and you're 100 percent right. I was in the ICU and I asked the doctors if I could get up and walk, and they said, "Fine, you can." So I 
hit the Garmin and started, <laughs> you know, doing my quarter mile loops of the ICU, <clears throat> the intensive care unit. And in my mind, I said, <clears throat> all right, so I just had a heart attack. I can only walk a quarter mile without resting, but why would I not? Why am I going to use a heart attack to not continue to do what I do? It's not really yeah. an excuse. Now, which is a little, maybe a little mental, but in my mind, it, it, my big thing when I lost all the weight and I started working out and I did this was that there, I did not ever want to give in to Lazy Alex. Lazy Alex occupied 48 years of my life being unfit and unhealthy. And so from that point on, wasn't going to listen to him. And even if he said, well, you just had a heart attack, you should rest. Nah, no, nah, I'm good. If I can do quarter mile, I'm going to go do quarter mile. And that just basically, as you said, but it really didn't change anything. It was just, okay, I'm always going to do 100% of what I can do. If 100% is a quarter mile, then that's what I'm going to do. If the doctors pull me off the ward and say, get back into bed, okay, then I'll get back into bed. But until they do, I'll deal with the strange looks that I'm getting. It's really interesting you say that because actually my dad was in an almost identical situation this time last year and he is kind of mid 60s and he he had a heart attack and had sort of stents put in and stuff like that and basically it, it kind of changed his attitude and his mindset and it, it went from being what's the minimum I need to do to keep myself healthy and and kind of I guess physically fit and sane as well so then what was the doctor's recommended maximum that he could do that he could kind of get away with and and keep himself in the best physical shape he could be in? Um, and that's that's where he finds himself now. And also something you said earlier, Ben, that that heart attacks kind of allowed him to know what his genetics are like, what his testing's like. It's also allowed us to know. And I now take I now take statins because I I have high cholesterol and I I'm at risk. So it's it's one of those catch twenty two things, isn't it? It's, and that, and that's, that's such a huge point. That really is because I I think I don't think I know there's a lot of people like me who are either physically fit and, and go through something like this, or go through something like this and become physically fit, uh, uh, but they don't get the guidance for what they can do after the heart attack. Yeah. So I said to my cardiologist, "Okay, what can I do now? Like I know I can shuffle around here like an old man, but..." You know, you've put the stents in, my plumbing's all cleared up, what can I do? And they said, well, take it easy for a while. It's like, all right, good, so I can go out and do a five-mile easy <laughs> run. Like, no, 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 absolutely not. You need to take it easy. I said, but that is taking it easy for me. And so I had to go out and hire a sports cardiologist that could look at me, look at all my record, look at everything and say, okay, go out and do whatever you want, but keep your heart rate in this range. Um, and, and, and education, you know, like you said, you learn about your genetic proclivities. You know, they told me I have a genetic proclivity to block up and not die. Yeah. So, not bad. Yeah. And exactly. I'm, I'm the kind of person, I mean, I'm, I'm young still, I'm healthy, I'm physically fit. There's no part of me that would think, oh, I'm at risk of having heart problems because I'm kind of everything that society tells you you should be yeah. um, in order to avoid heart attacks or heart heart issues. But still, there's this underlying health condition genetically that just means that my my uh, 
my heart is at risk and I do have these kind of high cholesterol issues. No, it's so, important. And I, and I think there should be more opportunities for people to get scanned without having symptoms with, with family history. You should, I think you should be able to get scanned, but you know, you know, insurance out here is certainly an issue for that. Um, you, you know, it, it, it's very important because you, you don't know. And unfortunately you don't know until it's too late. So getting this advanced screening, I think it's something that, that you know, would have obviously done me the world of good. Um, you know, the other thing is, is they, they couldn't figure out how I managed to train for the marathon and run the 29.8 miles with, yeah. you know, two, two arteries blocked how 100%. How did you manage that? Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That yeah. is crazy. I mean, but, but then, so take where we're at now and you're, you're looking for those, like Sam said, and like you said, you know, you're looking for those opportunities to do the maximum you're allowed now rather than the minimum that you're allowed. I'm just going to say two words and then I'll just, you can explain away. Um, the David Goggins challenge, the four by four by 48 and an ultra marathon. So when you were told you do the maximum you're allowed, can you just explain, like fit all that in for me? <laughs> um, you know, saying why not is a little cliched. Um, saying, you know, you know, why, why do people can't climb Mount Everest? Because it's there. And, and as cliched as that is, it's so as soon as I heard about the David Goggins challenge, I said, all right, let's give it a shot. It's, you know, it's flashy. It's now it's, it's, it sounds easier than it will be. Let's just, um, let's just, let's just explain it for anyone that doesn't know. So it's the four by four by 48 is that you run, uh, is it four miles? Yes. It's every, at the start at, at every four hour That's interval it. or every four hour mark, you run four miles. And if that four miles takes you, let's say two hours, you have two hours of rest and then that's you have it. to set out on the next four miles. And you do it for and 48 you do that hours. For 48 hours. Got you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's pretty hardcore because essentially you're only getting your maximum, you know, what, three hours sleep blocks or something in that region for 48 hours, you know? Yeah, and that degenerates to almost nothing because towards the end you're so wired and, and just out of sorts. Mm. Um, you know, I, I tacked on a, a, a few extra. I remember you were adding a little month. bit each time, because weren't you? Well, it dawned on me. It's like, this is close to a double marathon. <laughs> so let's at least make the distance mean something. <laughs> and these are the crazy things that motivate me. These things that, that, that are, you know, it's one of the reasons why I like the, 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 the ultra that I did. You know, it's a 50 mile ultra, but it actually isn't. It's 52 and change, which in my mind is, is, there's something that in my head says, okay, this is, this is worth doing. This is, this is a goal that look, I'm not built for speed. I'm never going to win any races age group or otherwise. So I'm competing with myself, mm -hmm. but at least let me know that I did it and left everything on the table because, and people are watching. Look, I mean, let's face it. I mean, my kids see this, my wife sees this, you know, my friends see this and, you know, look, I'm not going to say, you know, hey, I'm here. Look, I mean, ben, I mean, look, you're 15,000 followers, Ben. And, you know, you talk about, you know, your genuine, clearly your genuine desire to help others is huge and, and inspiring. 
I can't say my motives are that altruistic. I, you know, I, my wife says, she's like, look, this is a big ego boost for you. If you can, if you can say to yourself, you knocked out 52 miles. It's like, yeah, no, I get it. It is. Um, but it's inspirational all the same. That's the thing. And that's what I love about your journey. It's, it's, it's honest and it's inspiration. I mean, watching you go through the training for the ultra, even, you know, lots of your videos on those trails that you went down and, you know, it's, it's pretty, A, it's some long runs in there and B, you're yeah. doing it whilst on beta blockers, aren't you? So you, you have to cap your heart rate as well. So you couldn't push if you wanted to. So it's making it longer. Yeah. Yeah. The beta blockers are not nice. It's not a happy drug. I mean, it's statistically will keep me around for another few years. Um, so my wife, you know, feeds them to me at night when I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Puts them in the tea and whatever. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I keep telling them, I'm like, oh, what, what about my eternal peace? When do I get that? <laughs> that doesn't happen. But, uh, yeah, no, they, they do make things harder, but, it, but again, it, it's all right. So what, you know, everybody has, everybody has hardships and God knows I have, very few hardships when it compares to a lot of other people doing a lot more than I'm doing. You know, I mean, people missing. Hey, <laughs> Mary's just shown up in case anyone, obviously everyone's listening and Mary can't hear you, Alex, but I just said, come and wave at Alex. Cause Mary knows Alex as well. And they know each other. <laughs> She's just got home from work. So. Excellent. Right. Bye, um, Mary. <laughs> Sorry, so Alex. It, I didn't mean to ruin your flow. No, no, no. It's good. Good to see Mary. Um, it was one of the, it's one of those things where I got nothing. I really have nothing to complain about beta blockers, heart attack, blown out knee. It, it's, it's, it's really minimal in the grand scheme of things and what people have to deal with. So far be it. Look, I wasted a good chunk of my life being unhealthy. So far be it for me to moan about it now. So, but that's interesting. So I don't know if you have a question at this point, Sam, but I just, I wanted to touch on something. So by all means, jump in as well. But so you said blown out knee, right? We haven't got to that bit yet. So you do your David Goggins four by four by 48. Brilliant. And I think I spoke to you during it. I think you remember we did, we made a video about it. Um, then you do an ultra marathon, 52 miles, like you say, and change. Like, ridiculous, ridiculous mileage. Like, I couldn't even imagine. I've done 33 miles is as far as I've ever run, and I don't expect I'll ever run further. <laughs> but <laughs> then... All that far again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. During that ultra marathon, something happened to your knee, right? Yeah. And um, So I'll ask you two questions, if you don't mind. So what happened... And what did you do after that? Because you have, you're, you've even, you've pivoted again to still do the maximum you're allowed based on what you can do. So from what I understand and from what, and no offense to any doctors out there, but I do think that a fair amount of them are still practicing medicine, mm -hmm. practicing. Uh, but that's just, <laughs> that's just obnoxious me. No, I like um, it. There's been, there's cartilage damage that wasn't um, wasn't serious wasn't enough to warrant any surgery, um, and something happened with my hamstrings that torqued my IT band, which made it seize up and twist the knee outwards, um, probably from about mile thirty onwards, and I could walk fine. There was no issue with walking as long as I didn't stop walking, but running from mile, 
uh, let's see, from uh, about mile 40 to about mile four, uh, 52, if I ran, it felt like there was a butcher's knife in there. Um, Long time. Yeah, it was, it was so, I, I, you know, and I couldn't stop because when I stopped, my knee seized up. Um, I felt my hamstring pulling on it, my IT band pulling. So it, it, it you know, when I say blown out, it, it really, I mean, that's probably exaggerating. Functionally, it was useless. Physically, it was okay, but it was just extremely painful. Um, so I ended up, you know, I'm not going to say I, I didn't finish the ultra because I did. I ended up walking the last 10 miles, which was fun because I started hallucinating at that point. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. Pitch, pitch black in the middle of 6,000 acre woods. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I thought my headlamp had run out of batteries. Um, and my phone was at about 2%. So I was like, all right, so we'll just, we'll shuffle out and, you know, that'll be, it turns out my headlamp wasn't out of batteries. It was perfectly fine. I just couldn't figure out how to turn it on. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and so running was out. Basically the long and the short of it was running was out. I, I couldn't run. I took two weeks off. I tried to run. I couldn't run more than a quarter of a mile without agonizing pain Doctors told me what they told me. You need to rest it. It's nothing major, but you know, physical therapy, massage, blah blah blah, all, all this this fun stuff. Went to see an uh, orthopedist who said, you know, try the bike. Get on the bike if you're going that crazy because you can't work out. Try the bike, um, which I did, uh, and I bought a turbo and I signed up for Zwift and have been able to bike without any pain, which has been amazing. Um, and so. Uh, the first thing I did was research duathlons and triathlons. Yeah. And, and, you know, with my coach being a triathlon coach, uh, I thought, as you said, Ben, it would be a good way to pivot to at least stay active because that, that specter of not working out and just, you know, I mean, look, we've all got the quote unquote COVID 15 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is, you know, we're all getting a little soft around the middle. And, and that was something that, you know, it was not an option. I had to do something. Um, and, and so that's what I've got going on now. I'm still working through the knee. I've, uh, I'm, I, I've, I've worked my way up to two miles pain-free uh, on the treadmill. I've done a couple of runs outside. Um, but it's, it's another challenge. It's another, I mean, like I said before, I mean, the challenge is going to be, you know, me in a wetsuit, what that looks like. <laughs> Like we said, there's no hiding place for anyone in a wetsuit. It is a brutal, brutal place. And lycra, like you say, on the bikes. And, you know, the yeah. triathlon and cycling are, are, are not kind sports to pretty much anyone in terms of clothing. You would hope yeah, that they would be nicer, wouldn't you? It's going to be interesting. But but I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm putting in, you know, a good chunk of hours on the turbo. I'm, I'm not obsessing about the running. Um, and that's, that's you know... I, I have a goal that I haven't told anybody about. I haven't told my wife about. Uh, <laughs> Check. Is, you know, I, I'd like to uh, compete, uh, you know, probably wise to do half Ironman next year. Uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, um, seems like cycling is a little, a little more of a spread out, softer, 
you know, hey, I got a 5K in six weeks. This is what I got to do. Cycling is, you know, there's a lot of skill involved in cycling. I have no, I've never ridden a road bike. And it's, it's, oh, it's a twitchy little thing. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you braved the clipping shoes yet? I have, and I've fallen over, and I, and of course, my bad knee is the one with the big giant scab on it right now. <laughs> right of passage. <laughs> yep. But uh, I, yeah, it's 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 a new thing. It's a challenge, and I need it, you know, physically and mentally. I think it's it's important to not accept um, not doing something as an option. That's not an option for me, you know. I mean, Ben, you've spoken about it when when it comes to how do you motivate yourself to get out the door. Well, you get up within five seconds and you get out the door and you don't entertain not doing it. Yeah. We're all trapped in that. I mean, we're lucky in a weird way that we that's what we're trapped in is that mindset, that routine that I couldn't not train if I wanted to for almost right. all of my life now. That's it done. You know, it's it's going to happen. And I'm sure the same is with you two. And the, the, the biggest I thing... Think, go on, Sam. Sorry, Ben. Go no, on, go, on. no, no, you go. I was going to say, I think something you said earlier is really will resonate with a lot of people, which is you are fighting lazy Alex and, and you've got to kind of, you've got those two, two beasts inside you. One, one wants to train and one wants to kind of get out the door, but then the other one sees, oh, it's dark, it's cold, it's wet, yeah. I'm tired. Um, and it's that kind of inner balance that you've just got to get. You hit them there absolutely on the head. And that, that, that is the crux of what gets me going. That's the absolute crux of how I do what I do is I'm not going to entertain, you know, calling somebody up in the middle of the woods, say, come and carry me out of here because I can't finish. Or I'm not going to, and it, it's the second in my, in my mind, the second I start entertaining that and having that inner conversation, it's going to be over. So there's no inner conversation. It's like, yep, nope, not having that conversation. Shut up. Yeah. I'm going to go do this. That's the great thing actually, isn't it? Is it? For most people, the conversation is there and there's an argument for you. There is no conversation. It doesn't begin. Yeah. Which is great. I can't allow that, you know, and, and look, it, it's, oh God, you know, I really don't feel like doing this workout. Okay, great. Go do it. Don't feel like it. You don't have to feel like doing it. You're still going to do it. I love it. And I love, and I do love the, do the maximum allowable rather than the minimum now, which is just such a great way to think. Um, you know, it's a great mindset for life, isn't it? And and it's and sometimes it takes a moment, something to happen, like Sam with your dad and Alex. You know, it might take that, but if that's what it needs, then suddenly your mindset is just a shift. It's a big shift yeah. in a, such a positive way. And I think it's practice. It takes practice too of, of using that understanding of what triggers in yourself work and what ones don't yeah absolutely uh, like yeah, finding what works for you yep yeah. everybody's different you know i'll i'll yell at myself on the treadmill and my wife is just like, oh. she's like you see it's so mean to us i'm not i'm just i'm i'm yelling at lazy alex you know she, she'll hear me say <laughs> oh you're tired you want to finish this up? Guess what? We're doing another mile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to, tell, just to the, put uh, the button You're giving on yourself it. six six slashings now yourself. <laughs> yeah, that you've well, almost that, become full circle. I, I, I bet a psychiatrist would have something to say about that one. <laughs> you, do you know what? You probably hit the nail on the head. You've come full circle and you're, yeah. own, you're, you're your own rugby coach or whatever it was. Yeah, house master. yeah no, I love guy. I'm sure all the wellness people out there would be horrified by that. <laughs> That's brilliant. It works. Well, do you know what, Alex? I'm I'm really personally, Sam and I are obviously very excited that we welcome another crazy person into the triathlon fold. But at the same time, like 
I'm really excited to see the next steps of your journey. Um, what I'll do is I will put all of your details in the show description so people can find you as well. Because, again, you know, it's just it's worth following you, which I've done for three years. And it's just I love it. I mean, we, I think we've become friends that like we were going to meet up and do the New York Marathon. And, yeah. and it hasn't happened, but it will happen because we will be. But we'll be over there at some point. And I just would encourage anyone to just go and follow Alex's journey on, on Instagram because it's a, it's a great one and it's really inspirational and, and it just shows what humans are capable of regardless of what the setbacks are. That's what I love about your journey. It doesn't matter about the setbacks. You haven't entertained any of them and you've still done right, an ultramarathon. Right. I appreciate that. That's, that's very kind of you to say. And I know obviously I'm, I, <laughs> I'm not for everybody, but you know, it, it's, I put it out there because it is what it is. Um, it's honesty. I think the pe people that can take something from it, that's great. I'm not, I don't put it out there to, to, for any other reason than probably to stroke my own ego. But uh, <laughs> no, there's things to be learned. I mean, look, I mean, we all learn from each other. And, 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 and if there's value to be found, great. That's what it's about. Absolutely. Yeah, value. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank Yeah. Thank you so much, Alex. It's always good to chat to you. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm really excited to put this one out and uh, I think it will help a lot of people as well. Um, people are getting sick of me and Sam. <laughs> want to hear from <laughs> some other people. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's always interesting to hear other people's viewpoints. You know, you, you, you Tell yourself, you know, you're doing these things, but but it's it's nice to hear, and I appreciate your kind. Definitely, words. yeah. Stories, you know, other people's stories are are great, and it might just be that one person that hears your story, and that's enough, and it motivates them to change their lives, and that's what we want, right? Right. Thanks, buddy. So I just have to say a huge thank you to Alex, and of course, as always, a thank you to Sam, but. I think you'll agree that Alex's story is pretty inspirational and the sky is the limit. And there was a lot to be learned for all of us during that chat. Um, I took so much away. And, and as always, I am really inspired by Alex and Alex's journey and his drive to be a better Alex. And I think that we can all take something away there is that really comparison is the thief of joy. And, and it's about us being the best versions of ourselves. And like Alex put it so well, it's about us doing the maximum that we can do, not the minimum that we can do. And that's something that really resonated with me. And I hope that it resonated with you. So if you want to find out more about Alex, then he is Alex evolving on Instagram. But I will put his Instagram details in the show description so that you can find him. And you can also find myself, George and Sam. I'm at This Messy Happy on pretty much all social media platforms. And Sam is at Beg Sam on Instagram. And George is at George underscore steel underscore steel with an E on the end as well. And obviously two in the middle. And that's about it for the show this week. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, leave us a comment, give us a five stars or a review or anything that helps push this podcast out to more people so that we can help more people. And we've got some amazing guests lined up and I'm really excited to share them with you. So thanks for being part of the journey and we will catch you next week.